Okay, grab your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 24. There's a ton in this chapter. There is no way we'll exhaust everything that is pictured for us in this chapter, but the pictures are very clear. The points that we need to learn won't be difficult to discern, but uh, man, you better be ready to work, okay? The Bible tells us to be workmen in the word. And so uh, you say, I just came to sit in a service. Don't be lazy like that, okay? Get a pen, get a pencil, get your app out, you know, take some notes. Uh, you're gonna have a lot to study out for yourself uh, here in Genesis chapter 24. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna get right to it. Father, we love you and God, thank you for how greatly you have loved us. Lord, we're so grateful. You've given us your very word. Uh, your word is the power of creation. Uh, in the beginning, the Lord Jesus spoke and, and everything that ever was, that is, uh, became. Lord, your word speaks to our hearts about our need for you, a right relationship with you through Calvary, through Christ's sacrifice for our sin, his death, his burial, his resurrection that we might have eternal life. Uh, Lord, your word paints all those pictures and, and at the same time speaks it plain about our need for you and a right relationship with you. Uh, but we need you in our life and, and so Lord, help us right now. We wanna receive your word. We don't wanna be guilty of growing and in, in just knowing facts, uh, giving, um, even it just plain intellectual agreement, intellectual assent to what your word declares. Uh, Lord, we wanna hear you speak to our hearts and our lives and then we wanna submit to what you say and, and so God, would you pour out your spirit and convict and convince us of the truth of your word and, and then make us willing servants, make us grow in our relationship with you as uh, uh, this father-child relationship that you've set up. Lord, we wanna grow as your children. And so, Lord, would you help us this morning? Uh, help us for our good and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 24, we're gonna see Eleazar's camel train. He is getting a wife for Isaac. Genesis 24, verse one. You know, there's probably some Isaacs and Rebecca's here in the room this morning. Uh, Rebecca, you don't have your Isaac. Isaac, you don't have your Rebecca yet. And so uh, I want you to just pay very close attention to how God put this couple together and let that just inform how you're gonna approach. I mean, you know, you, you go to the club and, and uh, you're, you're gonna find a me monster and then you're gonna have to spend the rest of your life, oh, you know, um, just, man, do it God's way. I need to say this very quickly. Um, we need to be praying for the Vietnam team. I forgot to mention that when I got up. We need to be praying for the Vietnam team. Several professions of faith over this last week. Uh, it's been a very fruitful trip. It's been very encouraging. Uh, Andrew is running through uh, Saigon and, and his entourage is growing, right? I mean, there's, <laughs> the disciples are growing and praise the Lord for that. Uh, there's been some sickness, be praying about that, okay? We need Andrew particularly to have a clean bill of health so he can go see his father in Malaysia, okay? We don't want anything getting in the way of that, so let's be praying 
uh, for God's protection over that trip. All right, so yeah, uh, singles, pay attention. Moms, dads, pay attention this morning. Uh, You want your children to marry well. I mean, it's just nothing more heartbreaking than watch your kids make a disaster of their life. And, And so pay attention. Uh, to what we see here in this passage. Genesis 24, verse one, and Abraham was old and well-stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things, verse two, and Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that thou wilt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go into my country, into my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Okay, so what we're seeing here is this wise servant. He is now a wise sojourner. He is going to go at the command of the master to find a bride for his son. So this servant, his mission is clear. He is the eldest servant, he's the chief servant in Abraham's household. Verse two says, he rules over all that Abraham has. If there was no Isaac, Abraham's comment was that his servant would inherit all that he had if there's no heir. He's unnamed here, but in Genesis 15 verse two, his name is given, it's Eleazar. Uh, It's a compound word, this name Eleazar, El means God. Eazer means aid or help. And so what we're gonna see in our message today as we look at this passage, we're gonna see that Eleazar is a picture, he's a type, he's gonna teach us about the ministry and the function of the Holy Spirit. Why is he unnamed here? Well, so that the picture is very clear. God wants to make sure you don't miss how Eleazar is a type of the Holy Spirit. He is the unnamed helper Jesus said it this way in John chapter 16, verse 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Watch this now. For he shall not speak of himself. No, he is on God the Father's mission on behalf of God the Son. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Abraham tells Eleazar to put his hand under his thigh and swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that he won't take a bride from the local gals, right? Nobody local is gonna qualify. He wants him to go back to his people to find a bride. Okay, so verse seven, Abraham is trusting in God for his provision for a mate for his son Isaac. Provision is your blank. And to do this, it's it's a very solemn, Vow. It's a very solemn uh, uh, commitment. He's going to make him swear. And so Eleazar is putting his hand under Abraham, the patriarch's thigh. You know, you see this again with Joseph when he was a dying. Uh, Genesis 47, verse 29 says, Joseph, when he is a dying, he's, he's going he's gonna to get a, a, a promise uh, from his children. So Eleazar putting his hand under the patriarch's thigh. Yeah, it is what you're thinking about. Uh, it's under his thigh, it's up close and personal. Uh, This is a sign that if his promise, if his vow, right, what he swears is not fulfilled, right, if it's not fulfilled, then those born to Abraham would avenge this servant's unfaithfulness. He's making a vow, not just to Abraham, but to Abraham's descendants. Okay, so um, when we want 
Boys, listen up. When we want a solemn commitment from our bros, uh, don't do this, okay? It's not gonna, <laughs> culturally, uh, we don't do this today. It's not gonna come off cool and, and serious like you thought. Um, it won't communicate the gravity of the situation the way that you intended. Just, you know, let their yay be yay and their nay be nay. Okay, so anyway, you get the, you get the okay, we're not gonna find a bride from my son here. I want you to go back to my people and take a bride for him from there. Abraham is trusting that the Lord is gonna provide a mate for his child. And so mom, dad, pay attention, okay? I know, I know you want your children to marry well, but at the end of the day, what do you want for your child? Well, you want God's best for them, okay? So you might be wheeling and dealing and you're talking to other parents and, and when our kids grow up and they get through Kid Town, they get through student ministry, you know, you're gonna wheel and deal and, and you're gonna try to put something together. Be careful because the kids have to buy in and you try to, you try to use force and coercion and manipulation to try to get someone for your child, you'll end up making a mess and engendering bitterness in your family. So don't do, trust the Lord. God knows what your kid needs. Uh, God knows. And so trust him to do what only he can do. Your job is to train them well. Uh, how, to, how to spot the difference between a mighty man of God and a, and a me monster, a loser how to spot the difference between a woman of great faith and a, and a hussy, right? I mean, you wanna, you wanna teach them well. Okay, so now let's look at this wonderful servant here in verse 10. Actually, let's pick it up in uh, verse seven. Uh, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me that, and that swear unto me, saying, unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall, not send, he shall send his angel before thee. His presence will go before you. Uh, his emissary will go before you. That thou shalt take a wife unto my son from, from thence. You're gonna, you're gonna find who we're looking for there. God's gonna help you. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. And the servant took 10 camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia, unto the city of Nahor. So now Eleazar is on a mission. The father wants a bride for his son, so he sends his servant to go get her. So don't miss that picture. God the Father entrusts to the Spirit, God the Spirit, a mission. And the mission is to take out a bride for the Son. That's the mission. Now notice there are 10 camels, right, in verse 10. It's kind of weird how these things line up. In verse 10, Eleazar takes 10 camels. 10 is the number of the, the Gentiles. In your Bible, you know, numbers have meaning. 10 is the number of the Gentiles, the Gentile nations. And so Isaac cannot go on this camel train outside of the land, the place of promise. He can't go into the world to get a bride. His servants have to do it. Do you see the picture? Uh, Christ never left the nation, the place of Israel in his ministry. He was in Egypt as a, as a babe. Uh, to escape the wrath of, Pharaoh, of uh, Herod, right? He was in Egypt as a babe, but in terms of 
him as a son receiving a bride. He can't go into the world to do it. His servants have to do it. And so the Holy Spirit leads the way. Now there's a lot more in terms of this picture. Look at verse 11. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women would go out to draw water. Uh, That's a first clue, you know, you're looking for a bride. You kinda need to be where the ladies are. Um, That just makes good sense. You need to be where the ladies are so you can build a relationship with them, so you can get to know them. And and, uh, let me just say this, a lot of ladies attend MBT. So bro, if you're smart, you'll be here every week (laughs) taking notes, paying attention, praying, seeking the Lord, right? Okay, so watch this. He's where the ladies gather. Verse 12, and he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. So here's the deal, verse 14. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, in other words, I'm gonna pick one, okay? That's my part. But I need to know if she is the one. Okay, so it shall come, let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray, that, 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 that I may drink, And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink. Also, let the same be she that thou hast appointed for my servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. Okay, now that's brilliant. Okay, Abraham wants a bride for his son. And the son needs a bride. It's not good that man shall dwell alone, right? It's, it's he that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth the favor of the Lord, Proverbs says. And so, so we know what we need. So I'm looking for a certain type of woman, and I'm just gonna ask her for a drink, and the one that doubles down. I won't just make sure that you don't go thirsty. I'm gonna, your camels have been traveling. I'm gonna take care of them. Okay, this is brilliant. He's looking for, I mean, he's gonna pick one. Okay, so the, you know, um, you know, the, the, there may, you know, I think he's hedging his bets. There could have been a lady that he didn't like for Isaac that would come to the well for whatever reason. He doesn't like her for Isaac. Well, he's not going to say boo. But the one that he likes for Isaac, in other words, I'm going to pick one, but I don't know her heart, I don't know her character. And so let's find the one that you have for her, and so this will be my test. Give me a drink of water. Sure, have a drink. Your camels look thirsty too. Let me, let me take care of them as well. Okay, let that be the one. Okay, so it came to pass before he had done speaking that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. God, you know what we need more than we'll ever be able to perceive our need or what's even best for us. So I'm trusting you to do what only you can do. God says, okay, here comes a looker. Watch this. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had, known, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. So a virgin in your Bible is not defined just as young woman. No, it's a woman who has not been with a man, neither had any man known her. You remember we saw this back uh, earlier in Genesis when we looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, knowing 
would, in this context or in this kind of a scenario, when someone knows someone, we're talking about sexual relations. No man had known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her. Uh, This one will do. Let's see if she's the one. The servant ran to meet her and said, let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass as the camels were, had done drinking that the man took an earring, right? A golden earring of half a shekel weight. I mean, it's, it's massive bling. He takes this earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of 10 shekels weight of gold and said, whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray. I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. And she said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren and the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. Okay, so what's happening here? Eleazar is like, I got a big job. My master's counting on me and I gotta go find the perfect wife for his son. How am I gonna do that? I can't, I can't do that in and of myself. And so in verses 12 through 14, his first step in this is to pray. Eleazar trusts the Lord to grant him his leading. God, you have to lead, guide, and direct me. So what does he do? First thing, he prays to God about it because God knows what he needs. God knows what's up. God has to lead him. If, 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 if I'm gonna get God's best for my life, I can't go out and just pick for myself what I think is best, what I want is best. No, I need to be in the way, right? I need to be, I need to be on the mission that God has for me. I need to be in his path. I need to be in his plan. I need to be following in obedience. In other words, I need to be in the way. I need to be in the word of God. I need to be living out the word of God in my life. And now I'm in a place where God can lead, guide, and direct me. I'll get God's best for my life, not the best that I can pick. I mean, how many know the best you can come up with is still just the best you can come up with And God, who is infinite in his capacity, infinite in his love for you, isn't he gonna pick better for you than you ever could for yourself? And we need to trust the Lord to do what only he can do in our life. And so brother, sister, step one in finding a mate is the prayer of faith, right? You wanna pray in faith, you wanna pray I mean, praying in faith isn't just saying, I'm gonna gonna throw some words at God believingly, no. Your life, how are you living? Are you living in the faith? Are you in the way? Are you in a place where God will hear and bless the prayer that you lift up to him according to his word? Or are you trying to, it's so funny, man. God's people, we're always trying to manipulate God (laughs) to give us what we want. It don't work, man. 
Uh, you're, you're not going to manipulate God. Proverbs 3 verse five says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him. And what's the promise? And he shall direct thy paths. Man, I don't want the best I can produce for my life. I don't want what I pick. I don't want what I can come up with. And I need God to direct my path. I need my hap to light in Boaz's field, right? I need to be in the place that God has me so that he can bless my life. And so here's Eleazar, full of faith. He's not presumptuous upon God, but he goes to God in faith in humble and earnest prayer. James 5.16, the second half of the verse says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Why is that? Why does the righteous man pray and it moves God? Why, how does that work? Well, because God answers prayer and he commands us to do it. We're to pray without ceasing. God commands us to come. To be, don't worry about anything, be careful for nothing. Right, we need to lift our needs up to the Lord. Philippians four, verse six. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. God com- God's word commands you to lift your need up to him. See, this is the mystery of prayer. God knows all about our need. He promises to, to provide. Our job is to seek him first in his righteousness and then trust him for our provision. He instructs us to pray for all things and he knows what we need before we even ask. Matthew 6 verse seven says, but when you pray, use not vain repetition. Uh, you don't have to just keep saying words so you feel good about praying or just keep saying words at God in order to manipulate him into giving you what you want, no. Trust him. Don't be like that. Don't use vain repetition like the heathen do. Verse seven says, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Uh, It's interesting, Eleazar prays and gets done praying and then here comes a looker, verses 15 and 16, we find out her name is Rebecca. Uh, She's a looker, her name Rebecca means fettering. The implication is, right, you're captured by beauty. Okay, that's what her name means. Her name means captivating. First time out at the well, God's best for Isaac shows up. Now, he prays that Isaac's future bride would give him and his camels water to drink. And what's he doing with that? Well, he's, he's, he's wise, right? He's very wise in the kind of woman that he's looking for, for Abraham's son. What do I want for Abraham's son? Well, you know, I'll, I'll make sure he'll be attracted to her. I'll find someone that he finds attractive, but, but it's gotta be more than that. You know, beauty fades over time, and so I, I need a woman with character for my master's son. And here she shows up, this is a good woman. She's watering, this is a long journey. You remember our map from the beginning of, our, of, our, uh, of Genesis chapter 12, right? From the beginning of Abraham's story. Uh, this is a long journey. So what do you have? You have camels who can go a long time without water and then when it's time to load up, they load up. 10 thirsty camels quenching their thirst. This is no easy task. It's gonna take a lot of work. Camels guzzle a lot of water. What do we discern from that? Brother, bro, bro, listen to me. 
You want a woman who knows how to haul the water. That's what you want. That's the picture. You want a, you want a hard worker. Marry a hard worker. You say, ah, well, she, she, she's so beautiful, she'll never have to work. Brother, beauty is vain, okay? And uh, you'll be captivated by her beauty, but at some point, you're married to someone who's lazy, not a willing worker, uh, that will wear thin very fast. You wanna, you, wanna, you wanna watch, okay? So what are you looking, you're looking for? I mean, I know you're looking for a looker, I get that. I, I get that that's what, it's funny, okay? It's, 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 it's actually really funny. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, when I was a young man, and I'm looking for a bride, it was interesting to me that the girls had this list of all the things that they're looking for in a man. And when you read one of those lists, you recognize this dude doesn't live on this planet. <laughs> this, this is not even a, she's not looking for a human here, okay? Uh, she just described Jesus. <laughs> and he's at the right hand of the Father, okay? So I know he can dwell in our hearts, but, but that's like, Okay, so, and then like, sis, I mean, have you compared yourself to this list? I mean, are you a match for what you're looking for in a mate? I don't, okay, so now fast forward a few short decades, and it's like the guys have followed suit, and, and guys have this list of, and I know some of you are like, no, bro, I'm desperate. I, I mean, I just, I'd take anybody that would look at me. Oh, okay, you'll have moments like that, but guys are so picky. You know, you'll see a guy who's like a, who's like, I mean, if we go on the, this is probably offensive, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I don't know how else to communicate it. You know, the hot scale on scale one to 10, like zero is like, what happened to 10 just smoking hot? Okay, you're like a two or a three, bro. And you're gonna, you know, you, you, there's the only thing you're ever gonna marry is a, like a, at least an eight or a nine hot, okay? You, you, you won't settle for anything less. And it's like an eight or a nine hot, the only way she'd ever look at you, your, your ugly face, is if she's crazy, <laughs> right? That'd be the only way she'd ever give you the time of day. And so you're like, all these things that you're not, you can't settle for anything less than a maid. And so it's just a weird thing, right? your standards that you set for yourself, well, the person that you're gonna have in your life are so high, but in terms of yourself, you never looked in a mirror, you never thought, you never did any self-reflection about your work ethic or what you're willing to do and provide what you're gonna bring to the relationship. Oh, man, man, at the end of the day, bro, go look in the mirror, number one. Assess your life, make sure that you're that guy that's ready for a mate. Get a job, you bum, okay? Be a hard worker, excel at something, okay? Get a job. Get a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure your life is gonna matter for eternity. Be someone that God's hand of blessing is on, and then you go out, yeah, I'm not saying don't find somebody you're not attractive to, but I gotta tell you, brother, this church is full of good-looking, young, single women. Just pick one of them. Get married and start making babies, man. I mean, just build your family. Pick one, get to work. Okay, so what you do, when you, the one that you wanna pick, she's a gal that hauls the water. Don't marry a lazy woman, don't marry a lazy, like you're looking for that hard worker. One who 
God can bless the work of her hands. Okay, so this servant, he's very wise. I'm looking for a hard worker. I'm gonna pick one, but let it be the one that's willing to water the camels, the one that's willing to put in the labor. Okay, so that's amazing. Point number three, verses 25 and 27. God leads him to the right place at the right time for the right one. Did you get that? I mean, first time out, no misfire. Psalms 37 verse 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Proverbs 16:9 says, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. So singles, God can do the same thing for you. Trust the Lord. Ladies, trust God for his man for your life. Right, in all your ways acknowledge him. Trust him to direct your paths. He loves to do it. He loves to lead, guide, and direct his children. Okay, so let's keep the picture going. Here's Rebecca. Okay, she's Isaac bride. She's gonna be Isaac's bride by the end of the chapter, okay? So that makes her, if Isaac's a type of Christ, that means Rebecca is a type of what? She's a type of the church, isn't she? That's your next blank. That means, verse 16, she's beautiful. That's what the text says. She's very fair to look upon. Well, the church is to be beautiful because we, Ephesians 5, verse 26, we Together we make up the bride of Christ and we're to be very fair to look at and we're to be uh, a bride who is willing to give, to bring water. Ephesians, twi- uh, Ephesians 5.26, Christ washes his bride, he cleanses his bride in the washing of water by the word. And so water in your Bible is a picture of your Bible. So here she is, she's bringing this water to the thirsty. Well so also the bride of Christ bringing the water of the word to all who ask, preaching what God is doing to all. Now, Rebecca is a bride of Christ, and we'll look at that a little bit more in her, here in a moment, but let's look, at, let's look at her brother. Okay, so the next section, verses 29 through 33, we'll title that Worldly Center. And Rebecca had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out, right, unto the man, unto the well, And it came to pass when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands, and when he heard the words of Rebekah his sister saying, thus spake the man unto me, thus spake the man unto me that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well, and he said, come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man came in to the house, and he ungirded his camels and gave straw and provender for the camels and water to wash his feet, and the, men, uh, the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before them to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I've told mine errand. And he, Laban said, speak on. Okay, so what we know from Lot's character, or I'm sorry, Laban's character, uh, we can surmise it was Rebecca's new jewelry that got his attention. This is what we're gonna find out about Laban later on, as he is greedy for Filthy lucre, he's greedy for gain. Um, and you, if you wanna get insight into Laban, you can just skip ahead and read chapters 29 through 31. Uh, Laban is a lot like his future nephew, Jacob, will be. Jacob's kinda the same way. You know, material things are always very exciting to him. Uh, you see that in Genesis 45, 27, you'll get an insight maybe into how Jacob is wired. Okay, so the brother's like, he sees the bling, he's like, okay, 
uh, God's at work because I see the cash. That's how he's motivated. But now watch how Rebecca responds to God's leading, guiding, and direction. So let's just label this section describing her as willing saint. So Eleazar, he says, uh, pick it up in verse 34. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son unto my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my father's house and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son. And I said unto my master, peradventure the woman will not follow me. And he said, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. Then shalt thou be clear from this thine oath when thou comest to my kindred if they, give, if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. And I came unto the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink thou, and I will draw also draw for thy camels, let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And before I had done speaking in mine heart, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down into the well and drew water. And I said unto her, let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank and she made the camels drink also. And I asked her and said, Whose daughter art thou? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bare unto him. And I put the earring upon her face and the bracelets upon her hands, and I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter to his son, unto his son. And now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord, for we cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant set forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. And he gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. And they did eat and drink. And he and the men that were with him and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning and he said, send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, let the, let the damsel abide with us a few days, at least at the least 10. After that she shall go. And he said unto them, hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Uh, but, okay, so just think about the picture that we're seeing right now. If Eleazar is a type of the Holy Spirit, he's on a mission from the father on behalf of the son. Whenever the bride hears, let's go, let's be on our way, right? 
Anytime the Spirit calls, what's the right response? What are the words of Rebecca here? I will go. <laughs> Don't miss that picture. The Spirit calls, the only right answer is I will go. And they sent away Rebecca, their sister, whenever they recognize, right, when the brethren recognize what the Spirit is saying. In other words, you don't want to just go. You, want to be, you don't want to be a went one. You want to be a, a sent one. Yeah, so they send her away. They sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah rose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. So, you know, her family is using some wisdom. In verse 58, they call Rebekah, and they say to her, wilt thou go with this man? Wilt thou go? In other words, Rebekah is able to accept or reject the proposal. Anytime you think you're forced into a marriage, uh, God's not in that, okay? Uh, She has... Uh, free will. The Bible does not support forced marriages. Uh, it, it, you know, the, the position that we have from Scripture is everyone should own the decision, right? Both the man and the wife should own the decision. Um, the same thing's true. I mean, if Rebecca is a picture of the church, then that's kind of how salvation works, isn't it? Nobody should be forced. If you have to force someone into praying a prayer of salvation, uh, their life Right, if you have to talk them into it, if you have to trick them, that's not gonna work, right? This is how believing faith works. No one's forced to accept Christ, they want to. They come to the place where they see their need and they want to receive Christ. Look at verse 60, they bless her. They say to her, you're our sister, but be mother of thousands of millions. Uh, let your seed be victorious over their enemies. Uh, marriages should be commended to the Lord and blessed by him. Uh, anytime a man and a woman get married, it is a covenant relationship. Um, they enter into a covenant relationship with one another, but it's also before the Lord. Okay? Anytime I do a wedding, uh, I pronounce them man and wife in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right? Why am I doing that? Uh, I'm summing up everything that goes into the marriage vows. There's a covenant, there's a commitment, there's a relationship that they have with one another and only death can end that. But it's also a commitment, a covenant, a relationship that they enter into before the Lord himself. Um, When people forget in sickness and in health, right, rich or poor, till death do you part, they, they let their circumstances cause them to, convict, to forget their vows, to forget their covenant. Uh, what they're doing is they're breaking a covenant with the Lord himself. And it's a very serious thing. Okay, end of the chapter. You didn't think I could do this. And again, there's a lot here and there's just no way we cover all of it, but here it is. This last section we'll, we'll, we'll just title The Waiting Son, okay? And Isaac came from the well, right? He came from the way of the well, Lahai Orai, Lahai Orai, I don't know. Sounds like a Hawaiian name, I don't know. From that well, for he dwelt in the south country. And now watch this, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide. 
And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. Um, it's gratuitous, but I have to mention that this is not the first mention of smoking, cigarette smoking in your Bible. She gets off her ride, is what is happening here. For she had said unto the servant, what man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? You get it, right? <laughs> it's bad and I shouldn't have done it, I just couldn't help it. It's been in my notes for Genesis for the last 30 years and I can't walk away from it. Camel is a brand of cigarettes, okay? She lighted off the camel, yuck, yuck, yuck. Okay, so she said, Unto the servant, what man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, it is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Can you imagine how excited Eleazar was in telling Isaac about his trip? Uh, Look what I got for you, bro. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Okay, so there, verse 63 gives us another great insight into marriage. How does this man receive a bride? Well, it's when he's out meditating in the field. Don't miss that. Uh, Meditate in the field at eventide. If the field, the Bible defines the field as the world, Remember the parable of the sower and the seed, right? And the Bible's very explicit. The seed is the word of God and the field is the word. We gotta, is the world. We gotta sow the word of God into the world because God wants to reap a harvest. So you wanna be in a place where you're meditating in the field at eventide. Uh, and then you lift up your eyes and you see who God has placed there. So as you're working the field that God has for you, who's alongside you in that field? That's the one that God has for you. Who's in the field with you? Uh, That's who you want. Ruth chapter two, verse five. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? Right, her hap is on the field of Boaz. Boaz, of course she's gonna run into him because he's working the field that he has. And then of course he meets the woman who is to be his mate, working in his field. Uh, Rebecca's very respectful toward her husband. Whenever she finds out who this is, she covers herself. Again, we've given you this cross-reference, 1 Peter chapter three, describing how women relate uh, to, their, to their men, uh, how they relate to the world, and how they adorn themselves. Uh, she's, got a, she's got a relationship with the Lord herself, and so she, re- she represents the Lord well. Uh, So she does this in respect to the men in her life. And then point number three, Isaac loves his wife. Just like Christ loves the church, he loved her. And notice he's comforted after his mother's death. And if you'll remember the 50,000 foot picture that we're seeing here in Genesis, um, remember what we have. We see the child of promise come, right? We see the child of promise come, the miracle baby. The promise seed arrives. And then what do we see next in chapter 22? We see a death, a burial, and a resurrection, right? Isaac is dead to the father. He is dead for three days until God provides himself a sacrifice. There is a resurrection. After which, right, after 
in terms of this picture, what comes after Genesis 22 and chapter 23, Sarah dies. So the matriarch that produces the child of promise, she is then buried with the Gentiles. And we saw that picture uh, in terms of the nation of Israel itself. Israel produces the skull crusher. Genesis 3.15 is fulfilled, right? And then she turns around and ends up rejecting her Messiah. After Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, what happens in 70 AD? The temple is destroyed. Israel is dispersed. Israel is buried in the Gentile nations. And so for the last 2,000 years, what do you have? You have Christ receiving a bride. Do you see that picture? Is everybody with me on that? Is this making sense? Okay, so that's critical that we get this. What happens? Look at verse 67 again. And she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Man, don't you know what a comfort the church is supposed to be to the Lord Jesus for whom Israel, right, of whom Israel has rejected as her Messiah. And now she's been buried in the Gentile nations. Now the end times work is being accomplished before our very eyes. Israel is being drawn out of the Gentile nations. Ezekiel talks about the bones coming together and putting on sinew and flesh and skin and taking breath like God's in the process of restoring Israel as a nation. We saw that um, uh, pick up speed in 1948. You know, Israel becoming a nation but for that almost 2,000 years, think about the church, what a comfort that is to the Lord Jesus over his heartbreak over Israel being buried in the Gentile nations. But Isaac loves her. Jesus loves the church. A husband is supposed to love his wife. J. Vernon McGee says, don't tell me that a wife has to love her husband. God doesn't say that. God says that she is to respond to him. If he says to her, I love you, then she's gonna say, right back to him, I love you. When a man tells me my wife is very cold, that's a dead giveaway that he's not really the kind of husband he should be. If he's the right kind of husband, she will respond because he's the one to take the lead. Uh, Well said. Okay, now I've got this for you, uh, for your study. Here's the typology of everything that we're seeing in Genesis chapter uh, 24. So you got Abraham picturing God the Father, So he's the ancient of days, right? That's who God the Father is. Well, Abraham's 140 years old. He's pretty old. And he wants a a wife for his son. And so he swears by his strength, just like God can swear by no greater than himself. Uh, The spirit is to get a bride for his son. And that's the heart of the Father for the Lord Jesus. Now Isaac pictures the son. He's already been offered a sacrifice and figure. And so now he's looking for a bride. So also Christ. Uh, Christ, according to, you know, I mean, Romans 8, Philippians chapter 2. Christ is heir of all things, okay? Uh, He's inheriting all of his father's wealth. And that bride is to enter into that position with her husband. Uh, so we just saw he loves his bride. He goes out at eventide to meet her. Christ meets his bride at the end of the church age, which is described as the time of night. Eleazar, a type of the Holy Spirit, sent by the Father to get a bride for the Son. He doesn't live to please himself. He lives to please his master and his master's son. He doesn't speak of himself. And he takes a portion of his master's wealth as an earnest 
a down payment for everything that is yet to come, the full inheritance. Well, so also the bride of Christ. When you get saved, there are gifts of the Spirit Spirit that are given, and those are just a down payment of everything else that is to come. Rebecca is a picture of the church. She is captivating. That's what her name means. Well, the church is to be washed in the water of the word that we might be sanctified to the Lord Jesus Christ, not having spot or blemish. We are to be captivating. We are to be pure unto the Lord, and we should look like that. She's called to be Isaac's wife, and the question is, wilt thou? That's what her family asked her. Will you go with this guy and be this man's wife? So there's no, there's no forced decision. There's no Calvinism in this decision to be with Isaac. It's of her own free will, right? A personal decision is made. She has free will, and then she believes on her Isaac by faith. She's never seen him, but she receives him, and she follows to be with him. Well, so also the church. She's given a down payment. She's given an earnest. This picture is the gifts of the Spirit. She's eager and ready to meet her bridegroom. When the Spirit says, let's go, she says, I will. The Spirit says to everyone else, hinder me not. And so she joins, right? She's following this type of the Holy Spirit to be in the will of her husband, right? To be with her husband. She separates herself from her family unto her mate. Genesis 22, I want you to look at verse 19. This gives the key to everything that we're seeing here in Genesis chapter 24. In terms of this picture, uh, the father, the spirit, the son, and a bride, okay? So Abraham returned unto his young men, Genesis 22, 19, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. What do we notice about this? Abraham returns unto the young men. Who went from the young men? It's Abraham and Isaac. Who comes back? It's Abraham. See, Isaac, again, because it's in type, he could have gone back with his father, but the scripture doesn't say that. The scripture says Abraham went back because of the picture that we're supposed to see and receive. So Isaac is hidden from view until he's united with his bride two chapters later. Do you see that? And that's the picture. The church age, right, the bride betrothed to the Lord is caught up to meet the Lord who is physically hidden from view. What do you have? You've got Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. 40 days later, he is raptured up. He is, the clouds receive him out of the disciples' sight. And you don't physically, Stephen got a glimpse, but you don't, the church doesn't physically see Jesus for two days, right, two millennia until we are raptured and the Lord receives us in the air. Physically, he's hidden from view until then. So here in Genesis chapter 22, after his, let me pull out my air quotes again, after his death, his burial, his resurrection, Isaac is hidden from view for two chapters, right? We don't physically see him until he is reunited with his bride. Do you see that? Is everybody with me? Man, that's some amazing stuff. I mean, that like puts the hair up on the back of my neck to see that in the Bible. Okay, here's the question on the floor. Let's have, uh, Eric, can we close in worship? And I just got a few questions. And maybe to make it a little more comfortable for everyone, if we could just all bow our heads and close our eyes because somebody in your vicinity is gonna be raising their hand to a very personal question. Uh, Ladies, 
Is, everybody, is everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed? Because we've got people peeking. I can see people peeking right now. Man, and I know you want to know what gossip to give later, but man, shut your eye holes and listen. I'm talking to the Rebecca's, I'm talking to the ladies. Uh, how many would say, Pastor, I'm looking for my Isaac. Would you pray for me? Can I see your hands? <laughs> Is there anybody like that? I'm looking for my Isaac. Would you pray for me? I want, I want who God has for me. Uh, if you're married and your hand is up, shame on you, okay? I'm looking for my Isaac, pray for me. Let me see who all I'm praying for in this service. Okay, you can put your hands down. Isaacs, brother, how many would say, Pastor, I'm looking for my Rebecca, please would you pray for me? Can I see your hands? Okay, I'm just gonna pray that you just kinda open your eyes. There's Rebecca's all over this place, okay? But I'm gonna pray for you. And uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna seek the Lord. How many would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need to meet the Isaac. I'm not sure I know the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not sure that I'm part of the bride. I'm not part of his bride. Please, would you pray for me? I don't know that I'm born again. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know that Christ dwells in my heart through faith in the gospel. Pastor, please, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that in this service? I don't know that I'm saved. Yes, sir. Anybody else? I'm not sure that I'm saved. Please pray for me. I don't know that Christ is in my life. Anyone else? Father, you see us and, and you see our need and, and because we're in chapter 24, I wanna pray. I wanna pray for, for marriages, future marriages. I wanna pray that, that godly men will find godly women and that godly women will be blessed to find godly men, that they might be husband and wife for your glory. Uh, it's not good, Genesis 2, that man should dwell alone. And Lord, you've prepared helpmeets and you've provided providers, you've provided husbands, and Lord, this is your design. And, and so Lord, all these that raise their hand, I know all of them are thinking in their mind, I kinda wish I knew who all had their hand raised so I'd know who to talk to in the break and, and in fellowship and all that, you know. But Lord, would you impress upon every hand that was raised their need to be in the way, to be in faith. Lord, to be in your word, to be in your work, to be faithful where you have them in the first things. And then Lord, would you help them to be full of faith that you will lead, guide, and direct them that the Rebecca's might find their Isaac, that the Isaac's might find their Rebecca. Lord, would you do that work so that they can say with perfect peace and full faith that God, you led them, you guided them, you directed them, and that the woman that they're marrying, the man that they're marrying, this is your best for their life. That they would be at peace, that they didn't come up with a mate the best way they could and make the best decision they could make but that, that you are in the process of bringing them together. Give them that peace and then Lord, uh, make them both hard workers to work their marriage, to work on their marriage, to work in their marriage and to work out of it for your glory. And then Lord, for the gentleman that raised his hand and for anyone else that does not know Christ as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that today would be a day of peace and peace only comes through your wrath being satisfied over our sin at Calvary 2,000 years ago. And I pray, I pray that uh, everyone in this room 
would be in the place of your perfect peace because they're in the finished work at Calvary. They've received salvation for themselves. And so God, let today be the day of salvation. And I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.